Yes, I'm aware that we are like a week behind, but not really. There's not a good reason for it either. Like, we just, there's not a good reason we didn't record last week. It was Laziness. easy during 2020 because we, we were here. Nothing to do. Yeah. Netflix. But honestly, we were just lazy. Welcome to this week's edition of An Hour of Your Life. My name is Kim. And my name is Steve. And today's show is going to be a little... Wait, wait. What? I'm in a grumpy mood. Why? Because it's after the first of the year. You know what that means? I mean, it means a lot of things. It's tax time. Oh, that. I don't even worry about that. I get real grumpy tax time. I I don't like... Why? You don't even do the taxes. I know. We but, have a lady that does them for us. I know, but still, I have to gather up all that stuff and do all that. It's just extra work. Oh, boo and, and just the thought of having to pay. I mean, yeah, that yeah. sucks, but. Because, you know, now that we're making millions off an hour of your life podcast, right. our tax situation just got really, really complicated. Our tax situation actually did legitimately used to be complicated because we owned a business and we did side contracts and all kinds of stuff. But now we just work like regular people. And so we don't have to withhold tax like that anymore. Starting a business, though. Starting another one. Are it's, you? But, yeah, but. That that's for later, not not for now. <laughs> yeah, I, not for now. I need I need uh, I need a little. I need a little. <sighs> Maybe one day. I need a little side hustle here going Maybe on. Maybe one day. All right. So anyway, like I was saying, today's show is going to be. But like, don't don't tell Uncle Sam stop the IRS. Interrupting at, me. Don't tell Uncle Sam the IRS. Okay. Are you done? It'll be above the book. It'll be on the books. Are you done? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. We're going to be retelling some stories that you might be familiar with but which you may not know as well as you think you do. We are, we're getting into the world of fairy tales. So let me introduce you. I love fairy tales. You love fairies. I love fairy tales. I do too. I, I mean, if you've been listening for more than five minutes, you know that I'm a huge folklore fan. Um, and fairy tales are, I think a type of folklore. So anyway, let me introduce you to the Grimm brothers, Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm, were German folklorists who were some of the first to publish these well-known tales. Their love of storytelling and belief in the preservation of the stories of their homeland eventually led to an academic methodology for collecting and recording folklore that's still used today. So if I ever do become a professional folklorist, I have the Grimm brothers to thank for that. Their tales have been highly sanitized over time, but we don't like sanitary. Remember the gong farmers? So we're going to be presenting them as more or less originally intended. Wait a minute. Are we talking about revisionist history here? Um, No, actually, we're talking about purist history. Purist history. Yeah, we're going to be telling them in their pure, well, more or less in their pure form. I mean, re, they're, they're retold, sort of. And by that, I just mean that we are not going to give you the original language in that it was written in, like that the Grimm's wrote it in. Um, we, it's kind of updated language from modern times. But other than that, the storyline is the same. But the stories have been revised. The story, Disney. Not freak out little kids. Yeah, the first few actually are Disney stories, although we will end with one that really can't be cleaned up. Um, and they have been, so the, the stories that you know are the revisionist versions. But they're actual... Grimm's brothers that Disney revised. Yeah, and and like changed them up. A Disney's lot. very protective of their brand. Are we allowed to say that word? Disney? I mean, they made that they they remade the stories. Okay. So, 
Um, okay, so I will say that we are just going to be reading stories. So um, some of them might be a little longer than others. Um, we'll talk about them too, but uh, it's there. You're going to be listening to one or the other of us for kind of an extended period of time, and we are reading them. So it's not like we're going to be talking. You're um, counting on me being able to read. I'll jump in and help you if you come to a hard word. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Because you get to go first. We're going to do two stories each. Hopefully, we can fit them all into one episode. If not, we'll do three stories each and break it up into two episodes. Okay, first up is Rapunzel. I'm reading. Okay. There. Stop. What's that next word, Kim? A. (laughs) No, it was once. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Mm. Uh, Are we ready? You're so extra. Yeah, go. Okay. There were once a man and a woman who had long and vain wished for a child. At length, you know, you can read the, you can play this one for the kids. You can play this podcast for the kids to put them to sleep at night. Sure. Yep. Who had long and vain wished for a child. At length, the woman hoped that God was about to grant her desire. These people had a little window at the back of their house from which a splendid garden could be seen, which was full of the most beautiful flowers and herbs. It was, however, surrounded by a high wall, and no one dared go into it because it belonged to an enchantress who had great power and was dreaded by all the world. One day, the woman was standing by this window and looking down into the garden when she saw a bed which was planted with the most beautiful rampion. Rapunzel. Rampion is a a type of plant, and it's also known as Rapunzel. And it looked so fresh and green that she longed for it and had the greatest desire to eat some. This desire increased every day, and as she knew that she could not get any of it, she was quite pined away and looked pale and miserable. Then her husband was alarmed and asked, What aileth thee, dear wife? Ah, she replied, if I can't get some of that rampion, which is in the garden behind our house to eat, I shall die. A little dramatic, but... Yeah, well... I mean, if you're hungry, I guess. Yep. The man who... <laughs> considering the show we've been watching on Netflix, this is not dramatic. <laughs> the, the man who loved her thought, Sooner than let my wife die, bring her some of the rampion thyself, and let it cost thee what it will. In the twilight of evening... He clambered down over the wall into the garden of the enchantress, hastily clutched a handful of rampion, and took it to his wife. She at once made herself a salad of it and ate it with much relish. I've never known anybody that wanted a salad so badly that they would send their significant other into a forbidden enchantress's garden to steal it. I've never known that either. Like, I don't even think the vegan kid would do that. Yeah, I don't think so. She would grow her own. She would. Yeah. Maybe she's the enchantress. I don't know. She, however, liked it so much, so very much, that the next day she longed for it three times as much as before. Mm -mm. If he was to have any rest, her husband must once more descend into the garden, into the gloom of evening. Therefore, he let himself down again. But when he had clambered down the wall, he was terribly afraid, for he saw the enchantress standing before him. Uh Uh-oh. How canst thou dare, she said with an angry look, to descend into my garden and steal my rampion like a thief. Thou shalt suffer for it. Ah, answered he, let mercy take the place of justice. I only made up my mind to do it out of necessity. 
My wife saw your rampion from the window and felt such a longing for it that she would have died if she would not got some to eat. Then the enchantress allowed her anger to be softened, and she said to him, If the case be as thou sayest, I will allow thee to take away with thee as much rampion as thou wilt, only I make one condition, thou must give me the child in which thy wife will bring into the world. It shall be well treated, and I shall, shall take care of it for it like a mother. The man in his terror consented to everything. When the woman was brought to bed, the enchantress appeared at once. What? Yeah, the woman went to bed, the enchantress shows up. Okay, the enchantress at once gave the child the name Rapunzel and took away with her. I was expecting like when the woman gave birth. Well, I think it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's kind of a little. That one kind of threw me. A little messed up. So the woman gave birth and and named the child Rapunzel after the plant and the enchantress took it away. So my question. I said that. My question to you is whose fault is it? That the couple lost their child. I blame her for wanting the salad so bad that she sent him down there. What choice did he have? He could have said no. Yeah, and then he would have been turned into a frog or something. No, she's not an enchantress. She's just a wife. Yeah, but she, the wife forced him to go down there. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if he stuff. had said no to his wife, like, no, that's in the enchantress's garden. I'm not going to steal that. Yeah, right. Like, that's <laughs> going to happen. Okay. Okay. Anyway, continuing on with the story. Rapunzel grew into the most beautiful child beneath the sun. When she was 12 years old, well, the wife agreed to it. The enchantress shut her into a tower which lay in a forest and had neither stairs nor door, but quite at the top was a little window. When the enchantress wanted to go in, she placed herself beneath this and cried, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down thy hair to me. Unlike what we hear is Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your golden hair. That's the story I I heard. I mean, so when I said at the beginning that it was kind of like modernized, it kind of modernized. Yeah. Rapunzel had magnificent long hair, fine as spun gold. And when she heard the voice of the enchantress, she unfastened her braided tresses, wound them around one of the hooks of the window above, and then the hair fell 20 L's down and the enchantress climbed up by it. I think that's supposed to be like 20 leagues maybe or something. Like you, you wrote L's, and you're responsible for writing this okay, time. That's fine. After it, it's an old English word, Kim, look it up. Oh, okay. After sorry. a year or two, or an old German word. I'm sorry. About oh, twenty L's. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. After a year or two, it came to pass that the king's son rode through the forest and went by the tower. Then he heard a song which was so charming that he stood still and listened. This was Rapunzel, who was in her solitude, who in her solitude passed her time in letting her sweet voice resound. The king's son wanted to climb to her and look for the door of the tower, but none was to be found. He rode home, but the singing had so deeply touched his heart that every day he went out into the forest and listened to it. Once he saw, once when he was thus standing behind a tree, he saw that an enchantress came there, and he heard how she cried, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down thy hair. Then Rapunzel let down the braids of her hair, and the enchantress climbed up to her. If that is thy ladder by which one mounts, I will once try my fortune, he said. And the next day, when it began to grow dark, he went to the tower and cried, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down thy hair. Immediately the hair fell down, and the king's son climbed up. At first, Rapunzel was terribly frightened when a man such as her eyes had never yet beheld came to her. Wait a minute, wait a minute. 
either the enchantress had a very manly voice or the prince had a very feminine voice because she let her hair down and she couldn't tell the difference. She's way up in the tower. She just heard. You always say suspension of disbelief. So suspend some disbelief right here and go with the story. All right. At first, Rapunzel was terribly frightened when a man such as her eyes had never yet beheld came to her. Her eyes. It didn't say anything about her hearing. But the king's son began to talk to her quite like a friend and told her that his heart had been so stirred that had led him to have no rest, and he had been forced to see her. Then Rapunzel lost her fear, and when he asked her if he would take him for her husband, and she saw that he was young and handsome. And she's 14. How how old is he? Well, I don't know, but she's 14, and that sounds like something that a 14-year-old girl would think. Oh, he's cute. She thought, he will love me more than old Dame Gothel does. And she said, yes. And laid her hand in his, she will, I will willingly go away with thee, but I do not know how to get down. Bring with thee a skein of silk every time thou comest, and I will weave a ladder with it. And when that is ready, I will descend, and that will take me on thy horse. They agreed that until that time he should come by to her every evening, for the old woman came by day. The enchantress remarked nothing of this until once Rapunzel said to her, Tell me, Dame Gothel, how is it happens that you are so much heavier for me to draw up than the young king's son who is with me in a moment? What an idiot. Ah, thou wicked child, cried the enchantress. Why do I hear thee say... Why did she say that? Just she's so dumb, because she's a 14-year-old girl. And there goes all her 14-year-old audience, Kim. <laughs> Way to go, just like North Carolina, Georgia fans at the very beginning. I thought I had separated thee from all thy all the world, in that thou hast deceived me. In her anger, she clutched Rapunzel's beautiful tresses, wrapped them twice around her left hand, seized a pair of scissors with her right, and snip, snip, they were cut off, and the lovely braids lay on the ground. And she was so pitiless that she took poor Rapunzel into a, a desert, where she had to live in grief, great grief and misery. On the same day, however, that she cast out Rapunzel, the enchantress, in the evening fastened the braids of her hair, which she had cut off the hook of the window. And when the king's son came and cried, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down thy hair. She let the hair down. The king's son ascended, but he did not find his dearest Rapunzel above, but the enchantress, who gazed at him with wicked and venomous looks. Aha! she cried mockingly. Thou wouldst fetch thy dearest, but the beautiful bird sits no longer singing in the nest. The cat has got it, and will scratch out thy eyes as well. Rapunzel is lost to thee. That will Thou wilt never see her more. The king's son was beside himself with pain, and in his despair he leapt down from the tower. He escaped with his life, but the thorns into which he fell pierced his eyes. Then he wandered quite blind about the forest, ate nothing but roots and berries, and nothing did nothing but lament and weep over the loss of his dearest wife. Thus he roamed about in misery for some years, and at length came to the desert where Rapunzel, with the twins to which she had given birth, a boy and a girl, lived in wretchedness. He heard a voice, and it seemed so familiar to him that he went towards it, and he, when he approached, Rapunzel knew him and fell on his neck and wept. Two of her tears wetted his eyes, and they grew clear again, and he could see them 
with them as before. He led her to his kingdom, where he was joyfully received, and they lived for a long time afterwards, afterwards, happily and contented. I think now we would say... The end. No, we would say they lived happily ever after. Yes. Okay. So this one's not that bad, aside from the fact that he had his eyes gouged out with thorns, and yeah, tell Rapunzel... That you, tell that to your three-year-old. Rapunzel had to... Apparently, there was some... Um, I don't know... You know, there's a 14-year-old girl that gets married and gives birth to twins in the desert. So that's not in the original. Or, I mean, that is in the original. That's not in the Disney version. No. So so that's that's the uh, OG Rapunzel. Some eyes get lost. But they get restored with her tears. They do. Isn't that sweet? It's a true love story. Oh. All right. All right. Next up. Who's up next? Your favorite forgetful girl, Cinderella. I liked this show as a kid. It would come on like once a year. Mm. And they would show up once a year. It was like an hour special or something. This was, I I really like Cinderella. Cinderella is one of my favorites. The wife of a rich man fell sick. And as she felt that her end was drawing near, she called her only daughter to her bedside and said, Dear child, be good and pious. And then the good God will always protect thee. And I will look down on thee from heaven and be near thee. Thereupon she closed her eyes and departed. Every day the maiden went out to her mother's grave and wept, and she remained pious and good. When winter came, the snow spread a white sheet over the grave, and when the spring sun had drawn it off again, the man had taken another wife. Now, this is the only part I don't like about Cinderella, because I myself am a stepmother, and we're not all bad. Anyway, the woman had brought two daughters into the house with her who were beautiful and fair faced, but vile and black of heart. Now began a bad time for the poor stepchild. Okay. If we were watching this on Netflix with a very heavily Scottish or British accent, mm-hmm. we'd be watching with subtitles. Right? Yeah, yeah. Probably. So, and it would say ominous music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. see where you're going with this. Okay. Um, Let's see. Where did I leave off? Is this stupid goose to sit in the parlor with us, said they. He who wants to eat bread must earn it. Out with the kitchen wench. They took her pretty clothes away from her, put an old gray bedgown on her, and gave her wooden shoes. Just look at the proud princess. How decked out she is, they cried. they said it just like that, too. They cried and laughed, and they led her into the kitchen. There she had to do hard work from morning till night, Get up before daybreak, carry water, light fires, cook, and wash. Besides this, the sisters did her every imaginable injury. They mocked her and emptied her peas and lentils into the ashes. Emptied her pea? Her peas. Oh, okay. Like that she was eating and her lentils into the ashes so that she was forced to sit and pick them out again. In the evening when she had worked till she was weary, she had no bed to go to but had to sleep by the fireside in the ashes. And on that account, she always looked dusty and dirty, and so they called her Cinderella. It happened that the father was once going to the fair, and he asked his two stepdaughters what he should bring back for them. Beautiful dresses, said one. Pearls and jewels, said the second. And thou, Cinderella, said he, what wilt thou have? What if, like, who calls their own kid that? Like, they're, the stepsisters and the stepmom are calling her that to make fun of her, and her dad's calling her, oh, what a jerk. Father, break off for me the first branch which knocks against your hat on the way home. 
So he brought beautiful dresses, pearls and jewels for his two stepdaughters. And on his way home, as he was riding through a green thicket, a hazel twig brushed against him and knocked off his hat. Then he broke off the branch and took it with him. So he brings home pearls, jewels and beautiful dresses for his stepdaughters and a stick for his own kid. When he reached home, he gave his stepdaughters the things which they had wished for. And to Cinderella, he gave the branch from the hazel bush. Cinderella thanked him, went to her mother's grave and planted the branch on it and wept so much that the tears fell down on it and watered it. It grew, however, and became a handsome tree. Thrice a day, Cinderella went and sat beneath it and wept and prayed. And a little white bird always came down on the tree. And if Cinderella expressed a wish, the bird threw down to her what she had wished for. It happened, however, that the king appointed a festival which was to last three days and to which all the beautiful young girls in the country were invited in order that his son might choose himself a bride. When the two stepsisters heard that they too were to appear among the number, they were delighted and they called Cinderella and said, comb our hair for us, brush our shoes and fasten our buckles for we are going to the festival at the king's palace. Cinderella obeyed, but wept because she too would have liked to go with them to the dance and begged her stepmother to allow her to go. Thou go, Cinderella, said she. Thou art dusty and dirty, and wouldst thou go to the festival? Thou hast no clothes and shoes, and yet thou wouldst dance. I bet she scoffed. She probably did. (laughs) As, As, however... Cinderella went on asking. The stepmother at last said, I have emptied a dish of lentils into the ashes for thee. If thou hast picked them out again in two hours, thou shalt go with us. The maiden went through the back door into the garden and called, you tame pigeons, you turtle doves, and all you birds beneath the sky, come and help me pick. Uh, See, I'm blaming dad on this stuff. The good into the pot, the bad into the crop. Then Then two white pigeons came in by the kitchen window and afterwards the turtle doves, And at last, all the birds beneath the sky came whirring and crowding in and alighted amongst the ashes. And the pigeons nodded with their heads and began to pick, 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 pick. And the rest began to also pick, 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 pick and gathered all the good grains into the dish. Hardly had one hour passed before they had finished and they all flew out again. Then the girl took the dish to her stepmother and was glad and believed that now she would be allowed to go with them to the festival. But the stepmother said, no, Cinderella, thou hast no clothes and thou canst not dance. Thou wouldst only be laughed at. <laughs> and as Cinderella wept at this, the stepmother. I know how this story's going to end. As Cinderella wept at this, the stepmother. You think you know. The stepmother said, if thou canst pick two dishes of lentils out of the ashes for me in one hour, thou shalt go with us. And she thought to herself that she most certainly cannot do. When the stepmother had emptied the two dishes of lentils among the ashes, the maiden went through the back door into the garden and cried, You tame pigeons, you turtle doves, and all you birds under heaven, come and help me to pick the good into the pot, the bad into the crop. Then two white pigeons came in by the kitchen window, and afterwards the turtle doves, all the birds, came whirring and crowding in and alighted amongst the ashes. The doves nodded with their heads and began to pick, 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 and the others also to pick, 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 pick. And they gathered all the good seeds into the dishes. And before half an hour was over, they had already finished and all flew out again. Then the maiden carried the dishes to the stepmother and was delighted and believed that she might now go with them to the festival. But the stepmother said, all this will not help thee. Thou goest not with us for thou hast no clothes and canst not dance. We should be ashamed of thee. On this, she turned her back on Cinderella and hurried away with her two proud daughters. As no one was now at home, Cinderella went to her like mother's. Her. Who, the stepmom? No. Yeah, you're, I don't think you're supposed to. 
Cinderella went to her mother's grave beneath the hazel tree and cried, shiver and quiver, little tree, silver and gold throw down on me. Then the bird threw a gold and silver dress down to her and the slippers embroidered with silk and silver. She put on the dress with all speed and went to the festival. Her stepsisters and the stepmother, however, did not know her and thought she must be a foreign princess for she looked so beautiful in the golden dress. Okay, so they completely left out the mice and the carriage. No, there were pigeons. Okay. Um, They never once thought of Cinderella and believed that she was sitting at home in the dirt, picking lentils out of the ashes. The prince went to meet her, took her by the hand and danced with her. He would dance with no other maiden and never left loose of her hand. And if anyone else came to invite her, he said, this is my partner. She danced till it was evening and then she wanted to go home. But the king's son said, I will go with thee and bear thee company. For he wished to see whom the beautiful maiden belonged to. She escaped from him, however, and sprang into the pigeon house. The king's son waited until her father came. And then he told him that the stranger maiden had leaped into the pigeon house the old man thought, can it be Cinderella? And they had to bring him an axe and a pickaxe that he might hew the pigeon house to pieces. What? Why? Why couldn't he just open the door? I don't know. Anyway, nobody was inside of it. And when they got home, Cinderella lay in her dirty clothes among the ashes and a dim little oil lamp was burning on the mantelpiece for Cinderella had jumped quickly down from the back of the pigeon house and had run to the little hazel tree and there she had taken off her beautiful clothes and laid them on the grave, and the bird had taken them away again, and she put herself back in the kitchen amongst the ashes in her gray gown. Next day, when the festival began fresh afresh, and her parents and the stepsisters had gone once more, Cinderella went to the hazel tree and said, Shiver and quiver, my little tree, silver and gold throw down on me. Then the bird threw down a much more beautiful dress than on the preceding day. Whoa. I know, we're getting an upgrade. And when Cinderella appeared at the festival in this dress, everyone was astonished at her beauty. The king's son had waited until she came and instantly took her by the hand and danced with no one but her. When others came and invited her, he said, she is my partner. When evening came, she wished to leave and the king's son followed her and wanted to see into which house she went. But she sprang away from him and into the garden behind the house. Therein stood a beautiful tall tree on which hung the most magnificent pears. She clambered so nimbly between the branches like a squirrel that the king's son did not know where she was gone. He waited until her father came and said to him, the stranger maiden has escaped from me and I believe she'd climbed up the pear tree. The, the father saw it. Okay, this is like the 12 days of Christmas. It, it kind of is. Also, kudos to Cinderella for climbing a pear tree the, in a ball the, gown. The partridge in the pear tree. The father saw, thought, can it be Cinderella and had an axe brought and cut the tree down, but no one was on it. Well, that's so kinda... now you don't have a pear tree. Way to go, dad. He, this dad is not very smart. No. And he's not a very good dad yeah, no, for letting him treat his daughter. like no, that. He kind of sucks. And when they got into the kitchen, Cinderella lay there amongst the ashes as usual, for she had jumped down on the other side of the tree, had taken the beautiful dress to the bird on her little hazel tree and put on her gray gown. Now, on the third and final day, when the parents and sisters had gone away, Cinderella went once more to her mother's grave and said to the little tree, shiver and quiver, my little tree, silver and gold throw down over me. Okay, so this is missing her, the clock starts striking midnight, her running down the steps. Well, wait, we're not there yet. Okay. This is the last day. But it doesn't happen like at midnight. Well, it might. I wait for the, the pumpkin, hold on, we'll the, the look at there. Just the hold, pumpkin and all that. Just hold on. Okay. Okay. 
So now the bird threw down to her a dress, which was more splendid and magnificent than any she had yet had. And the slippers were golden. They weren't glass. They were golden. And when she went to the festival in the dress, no one knew how to speak for astonishment. The king's son danced with her only. And if anyone invited her to dance, he said, she is my partner. Right. We've been here before. Okay, so when the evening came, Cinderella wished to leave and the king's son was anxious to go with her, but she escaped from him so quickly that he could not follow her. Learn how to say no for an answer, dude. All right. Anyway, the king's son had, however, used... I'm just thinking the Grimm brothers could have used cut and paste a lot. In they, probably could, they probably okay. could have. He used a stratagem and had caused the whole staircase to be smeared with pitch. So like tar. And there, when she ran down, had the maiden's left slipper remain sticking. It just reminds me of the... Uh, Great Boston Molasses Flood. Yeah, a little bit. The king's son picked it up and it was small and dainty and all golden. Next morning, he went with it to the father and said to him, no one shall be my wife, but she whose foot this golden slipper fits. And there were the two sisters glad for they had pretty feet. The eldest went with the shoe into her room and wanted to try it on and her mother stood by, but she couldn't even get her big toe into it and the shoe was too small for her. Then her mother gave her a knife and said, cut the toe off. <laughs> when thou art queen, thou will have... <laughs> Dad cut down the tree. <laughs> right. When thou art queen, thou will have no need to go on foot. So the maiden cut the toe off, forced the foot into the shoe, swallowed the pain, and went out to the king's son. Then he took her on his horse as his bride and rode away with her. They were, however, obliged to pass the grave, and there on the hazel tree sat two pigeons and cried... Turn and peep, turn and peep. There's blood within the shoe. If the shoe, the shoe it is too small for her, the true bride waits for you. Then he looked at her foot and saw how the blood was streaming from it. And she was missing a toe. <laughs> and she was missing a toe. He turned his horse around and took the false bride home again and said she was not the true one. So she lost her toe for, for nothing. For not anything. Uh, and the, Or the, in the words of them, for not. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And the, the other sister needed to put the shoe on. Then this one went into her chamber and got her toe safely into the shoe, but her heel was too large. So her mother gave her a knife and said, cut a bit off thy heel. When thou art queen, thou will have no more need to go on foot. Yeah. The, the parents in this time just sucked in general. Got to get those girls married off. <laughs> the maiden cut off a bit of her heel, forced her foot into the shoe, swallowed the pain and went out to the king's son. He took her on his horse as his bride and rode away with her. But when they passed the hazel tree, two little pigeons sat on it and cried, turn and peep, turn and peep. There's blood within the shoe. The shoe, it is too small for her. The true bride waits for you. Now, stepmom probably thinks that she's going to get something out of this. If she marries. Well, yeah, she marries yeah, her kids off. She thinks she's moving to the palace. She's going to be the queen mother. Yeah. Like in there with the, in the court. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to dump Cinderella's dad and okay, try to marry We've seen king. enough of these royal movies. Mm -hmm. Being in the court's not all that good no. all the time. It's kind of cutthroat. It's it's a lot. I feel like she could hold her own, though. We learned a lot during 2020. He looked down at her foot and saw how the blood was running out of her shoe and how it had stained her white stocking. Then he turned his horse and took the false bride home again. This also is not the right one, he said. Have you no other daughter? No, said the man. There's. Oh. Listen to him denying his own kid. There is still a little stunted kitchen wench, which my late wife left behind her. Whoa. But, but she cannot possibly be the bride. Ouch. Which my late wife left behind her. Ouch. The little kitchen wench. Stunted kitchen wench. I hope she moves to the <laughs> castle and leaves all them. This dad is like... Wait, what was that job? 
the the groom of the stool. Yeah, I hope <laughs> he gets to be the groom of the stool. No, because they got land and stuff. No, I'm, no, the guy that had to like go in and clean out the yeah the the cleaner of the stool. Yeah, the cleaner. Yeah. I hope they get this. Job. <laughs> The king's son said he was to send her up to him, but the mother answered, stepmother, answered, oh no, she's much too dirty. She cannot show herself. He absolutely insisted on it, saying, I'm the prince. He's a wise old guy. And young guy. Cinderella had to be called. She first washed her hands and face clean and then went and bowed down before the king's son who gave her the golden shoe, which probably is she, now red. She should, she should wash her feet. Yeah, I mean, this shoe is probably red by this time, but anyway. Um, then she seated herself on a stool, drew her foot out of the heavy wooden shoe and put it in the slipper, which fit like a glove. And when she rose up and the king's son looked at her face, he recognized the beautiful maiden who had danced with him and cried, that is the true bride. The stepmother and the two sisters were terrified and became pale with rage. He, however, took Cinderella on his horse and rode away with her. As they passed by the hazel tree, I can't the, wait to hear the little pigeons. The two birds, two white doves cried, the turn doves. him. Turn and peep, turn and peep. No blood is in the shoe. The shoe is not too small for her. The true bride rides with you. And when they had cried that, the two came flying down and placed themselves on Cinderella's shoulders, one on the right, the other on the left, and remained sitting there. When the wedding with the king's son had to be celebrated, the two false sisters came and wanted to get into favor with Cinderella and yeah, share her good come. fortune. When the betrothed couple went to church, the elder you know was what? at the right. I'll bet you Cinderella's so nice. She probably she is. She lets him in the court. Let's That's what, what I'm betting. Let, let's see what happens. Uh, when they went to church, the elder was at the right side, the younger at the left, and the pigeons, the pigeons, pecked out one eye of each of them. Afterwards, as they came back, the elder was at the left and the younger at the right, and then the pigeons pecked out the other eye of each. And thus, for their wickedness and falsehood, they were punished with blindness for as long as they lived. Now, the end. Now, and they lived happily ever after. They did not. No. Cinderella, Cinderella and the prince, prince did. did. Now, the stepsisters were there, had their eyes plucked out by pigeons. Okay, we got to stop and discuss some of this. Okay. So, fairy tales in general. Yeah. Were there morals? There were. To this? Yes, there are. So, like, the story of Rapunzel, theoretically, the fairy, the uh, the moral is don't talk to strangers. And don't let locked little girls up in the tower. <laughs> Don't ask for salad from the enchantress next door. Um, Be grateful for what you have. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Be grateful for what you have. Uh, Cinderella, what do you think the moral and, of the story and is? And don't be afraid to tell your wife no sometimes. <laughs> I don't think that's the moral. I think it is. What, what do you think is the moral of Cinderella? Don't lie. Well, I mean, there's yeah, a lot a of one. morals there's in a lot there. Of, yeah, there's quite a few morals in each of the fairy tales. Treat your, treat your stepkids nice. Treat your kids nice. And be a good dad. <laughs> don't and don't tell your daughters to cut parts of their feet off. Yeah, that's yeah no self mutilation <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah, We're, we know that's good parents okay. don't encourage so self mutilation. What, what morals did the Cinderella story? I mean, I think you're right. Don't lie and and don't uh, no don't bear falsehoods. Yeah, don't bear false witness and and like don't just don't be a jerk or you're gonna lose. And don't be wicked. Don't be wicked. I mean, it says right there, and thus for their wickedness and they falsehood. They were punished, yeah, for being they wicked They got their eyes lying. pecked out. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. All right. All right, well. what do we got next? So you are going to continue on with Disney's first fairy tale. Yes, I'm going to... I'm gonna Adapted fairy tale. I'm going to go tell the next one as well so you can have the grand finale. Now, Disney's first fairy tale is Snow White. Tell I the believe. truth. It's because... I don't feel like reading this much. I was trying to be and this nice. Was longer than I was trying <laughs> than to be nice, life. but all right. Um, I think I know Snow White came out in the 
30s. I think it was 33. It might have been 36. Um, their version had some stuff that might not fit in today's culture, but the original was even worse. So once upon a time, in the middle of winter, when the flakes of snow were falling like feathers from the sky, a queen sat at a window sewing, and the frame of the window was made of black ebony. And while she was sewing and looking out of the window at the snow, she pricked her finger with a needle, and three drops of blood fell upon the snow. And the red looked pretty upon the white snow, and she thought to herself, Would that I had a child as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as the wood of the window frame. After that, she soon had a little daughter who was as white as snow, with lips as red as blood, and hair as black as ebony, and she was therefore called Little Snow White. And when the child was born, the queen died. Uh I know, sad. This is another stepmom story, by the way. After a year had passed, the king took himself to another wife. She was a beautiful woman, but proud and haughty, and she could not bear that anyone else should surpass her in beauty. She had a wonderful looking glass, and when she stood in front of it and looked at herself and said, looking glass, looking glass, mirror, mirror, on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? Yeah, because I learned it, mirror, mirror, on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Right, but but in the olden days, they actually called it a looking glass. Well. So that's what we're using. Okay. The looking glass answered, Thou, O queen, art the fairest of all. Then she was satisfied, for she knew that the looking glass spoke the truth. But Snow White was growing up and grew more and more beautiful. And when she was seven years old, she was as beautiful as the day and more beautiful than the queen herself. At only seven. And once when the queen asked her looking glass, looking... Times were different back then. I guess. Looking glass, looking glass, on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? It answered... Thou art fairer than all who are here, Lady Queen, but more beautiful still is Snow White as I ween. I don't know what that means, but okay. Then the queen was shocked and turned yellow and green with envy. From that hour, whenever she looked at Snow White, her heart heaved in her chest. She hated the girl so much. And envy and pride grew higher and higher in her heart like a weed, so that she had no peace day or night. She called a huntsman and said, Take the child into the forest. I will no longer have her in my sight. Kill her and bring me back the heart as a token. The huntsman obeyed and took her away. But when he had drawn his knife and was about to pierce Snow White's innocent heart, she began to weep and said, Ah, dear huntsman, leave me my life. I will run away into the wild forest and never come home again. Now she's seven, right? Ish. So he's going to like abandon this little kid in the woods. Uh, he was getting ready to murder her. So yeah, I'd say this is a better alternative. Okay. As she was so beautiful, the huntsman... Back in the day, they had wolves and things. Maybe she'll link up with Hansel and Gretel and go maybe so. like eat the witch and candy. Yeah, well, and that story was kind of weird too. That one was. I almost included it in this one, but it's the original is just as weird as the adaptation. So it's fine. Uh, since maybe no like I- little kids sticking chicken bones through the cage. Yeah, Yeah, since Snow White was so beautiful, the huntsman had pity on her and said, run away then, you poor child. The wild beasts will soon have devoured you, thought he. See, that sounds even more cruel than just killing her quickly. Mm. And yet it seemed as if a stone had been rolled from his heart since it was no longer needful for him to kill her. And as a young boar just then came running by, he stabbed it and cut out its heart and took it to the queen as proof that the child was dead. I just saw on the news that they used a pig's heart for a heart transplant. Do you know what that's called? No. 
It's called a xenograft. A xenograft. Mm-hmm. When you take from one species and transplant it into another, it's called a xenograft. So it's just funny that they said a pig mm, and they yeah. used a pig's heart. There you go. It just it just made me think of that because I saw that on the news. It's going to get worse. Hold on. Okay. Um. Let's see. The So he took the pig's heart to the queen She and told her it was Snow White's heart. The cook had to salt it and then the wicked queen ate it and thought she had eaten the heart of Snow White. Pretty much almost bacon. What? No, this is a child's heart. Yeah, but she, I mean, she was it's not really, eating, but she thinks it's she a child's heart. She was eating pork, though. Yeah, but this queen is messed up. Yep. But now the poor child was all alone in the great forest and so terrified that she looked at every leaf of every tree and did not know what to do. Then she began to run and ran over sharp stones and threw thorns, and the wild beasts ran past her, but did her no harm. She ran as long as her feet would go until it was almost evening. Then she saw a little cottage and went into it to rest for herself. Everything in the cottage was small, but neater and cleaner than can be told. There was a little table on which was a white cover and seven little plates and on each plate a spoon. Moreover, there were seven little knives and forks and seven little mugs. Against the wall stood seven little beds all side by side and covered with snow white counterpanes. Little Snow White was so hungry and thirsty that she ate some vegetables and bread from each plate. This is going into Goldilocks territory here. She ate some vegetables and bread from each plate and drank a drop of wine out of each mug. And she's seven. She's too young to be getting drunk. For she did not wish to take all from one only. Then, as she was so tired, she laid herself down on one of the little beds, but none of them suited her. One was too long, another too short, but at last she found that the seventh one was just right. (laughs) <laughs> so she remained in it and said a prayer and went to sleep. When it was quite dark, the owners of the cottage came back. They were seven dwarves who dug and delved in the mountains for ore. They lit their seven candles, and as it was now light within the cottage, they saw that someone had been there, for everything was not in the same order in which they left it. Because in the movie, as they come... They're singing hi-ho. Whistle while you work and... No, that's Cinderella. Whistle while you work is Cinderella. Oh. The dwarves sing, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's home from work we go. Yeah, okay. I you know another cadence yeah. to that, but yeah. for the army, we won't sing that. The first said, who has been sitting on my chair? The second, who has been eating off my plate? The third, who's been taking some of my bread? The fourth, who's been eating my vegetables? The fifth, this one's kind of gross, who's been using my fork? The sixth, who's been cutting with my knife? And the seventh, who's been drinking out of my mug? Then the first looked around and saw that there was a little hole on his bed, and he said, Who's been getting into my bed? The others came up and each called out, Somebody's been lying in my bed, too. Okay, this sounds just like it the is, three bears. It is. It's like okay. Snow White and the three bears. Uh, but the seventh, when he looked at his bed, saw little Snow White, who was lying asleep therein, and he called the others, who came running up, and they cried out with astonishment and brought their seven little candles and the light fall on little Snow White. Oh, heavens! Oh, heavens! cried they. What a lovely child! And they were so glad that they did not wake her up, but let her sleep in on the bed. And the seventh dwarf slept with his buddies one hour with each, and so he got through the night. Poor seventh dwarf. Like, he only could sleep an hour at a time. When it was morning, Snow White awoke and was frightened when she saw the seven dwarves. But they were friendly, and they asked her what her name was. My name is Snow White, she answered. How have you come to our house, said the dwarves. Then she told them that her stepmother had wished to have her killed, but that the huntsmen had spared her life and that she had run for the whole day until at last she had found their dwelling. The dwarf said, if you'll take care of our house, cook, <laughs> make the beds, wash, sew, and knit, and if you'll keep everything neat and clean, you can stay with us and you'll want for nothing. Yep. 
<laughs> so in other words, <laughs> yes, said Snow White, with all my heart. And she stayed with them. She kept the house in order for them. In the mornings, they went to the mountains and looked for copper and gold. And in the evenings, they came back and then their supper had to be ready. The girl was alone the whole day. So the good dwarves warned her and said, beware of your stepmother. She will soon know that you are here. Be sure to let no one come in. But the queen, believing that she had eaten Snow White's heart, could not but think that she was again the first and most beautiful of all. And she went to her looking glass and said, looking glass, looking glass on the wall. Who in this land is the fairest of all? And the glass answered, oh, queen, thou art fairest of all I see. But over the hills where the seven dwarves dwell, Snow White is still alive and well, and none is so fair as she. Okay. The queen didn't ask her that. The mirror (laughs) or the looking glass could have just told her, well, you are right here in this castle. There's a phrase that comes to mind. What? Snitches. Get stitches. That's right. I don't know how you can. Or get (laughs) shattered. Yeah. Yeah. Then she was astounded, for she knew that the looking glass never spoke falsely, and she knew that the huntsman had betrayed her and that little Snow White was still alive. And so she thought and thought again how she might kill her, for so long as she was not the fairest in the whole land, envy let her have no rest. I wonder what she did to the huntsman. Mm. And when she had at last thought of something to do, she painted her face and disguised herself like an old peddler woman, and no one could have known her. In this disguise, she went all over the seven mountains to the seven dwarves and knocked at the door and cried, pretty things to sell, very cheap, very cheap. Little Snow White looked out of the window and called, good day, my good woman, what have you to sell? She doesn't listen. Snow White doesn't. But also, like, little girls like pretty things. So seven. I mean, yeah, it's fair. Uh, Good things, pretty things, the witch answered, well, the queen answered, stay laces of all colors. And she pulled out one which was woven of bright colored silk. I may let the worthy old woman in, thought Snow White. And she unbolted the door and bought the pretty laces. With what money? The the dwarfs were like mining gold. Yeah, but I'm sure they had gold. Maybe they no. (laughs) Maybe they pay her like petty cash. Okay. Um, let's see. Child, said the old woman, what a fright you look. Come, and I will lace you properly for once. Snow White had no suspicion, but stood before her and let herself be laced with the new laces. I'm assuming these are like corset laces. Probably. But the old woman laced so quickly and laced so tightly that Snow White lost her breath and fell down as if dead. Now I am the most beautiful, said the queen to herself and ran away. Not long afterwards, in the evening, the seven dwarves came home. But how shocked they were when they saw their dear little housekeeper, Snow White. I threw that one in there. Saw their dear little Snow White laying on the ground and that she neither stirred nor moved and seemed to be dead. They lifted her up and as they saw that she was laced too tightly, they cut the laces and then she began to breathe a little and after a while came to life again. And when the dwarves heard what had happened, they said, the old peddler woman was no one else other than the wicked queen. Take care and don't let anybody come in when we're not with you. We told you once. Right. But the wicked woman, with when she had reached home, went in front of the glass and asked, Looking glass, looking glass, on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? And it answered as before, O queen, thou art fairest of all I see, but over the hills where the seven dwarves dwell, Snow White is still alive and well, and none is so fair as she. When she heard that, all her blood rushed to her heart with fear, for she saw plainly that little Snow White was again alive. But now, she said, I will think of something that shall put an end to you. And by the help of witchcraft, which she understood, she made a poisonous comb. Witch! Witch! Then she disguised herself and took the shape of another old woman. 
So she went over the seven mountains to the seven dwarves, knocked at the door and cried, good things to sell, cheap, cheap. And Snow White is going to fall for it again. No, listen. She said, she looked out and said, go away. I can't let anybody come in. I suppose you can look, said the old woman, and pulled the poisonous comb out and held it up. It pleased the girl so well that she let herself be beguiled and opened the and door. And like I said, she opened the door. Wah, wah. Yeah. When they had made a bargain, the old woman said, now I, can do that. Now I will comb you properly for once. <laughs> Poor little Snow White had no suspicion and let the old woman do as she pleased, but hardly had she put the comb in her hair than the poison took effect and the girl fell down senseless. You paragon of beauty, said the wicked woman. You're done for now. And she went away. But fortunately, it was almost evening when the seven dwarves came home. When they saw Snow White laying as if dead among the, upon the ground, they once again suspected the stepmother, and they looked and found the poison comb. Scarcely had they taken it out when Snow White came to herself and told them what had happened. Then they warned her again to not let her guard down and open the door to no one. Well, the queen at home went in front of the glass and said... Looking glass, looking glass on the wall. Who in the land is the fairest of all? And it told her it was her. Speeding things up a little bit. We've, yeah. we've been through this. When she heard cut the... Cut and paste, Grimes. I know, right? Well, cut and paste. Um, Grim, Grimms. The Grimms. When she heard the glass say, again, none is so fair, Snow White, she shook with rage. Snow White shall die, she cried, even yeah. if it cost me my life. I've heard this before. <laughs> right. Thereupon, she went into a quite secret, lonely room where no one ever came. And there she made a very poisonous apple. You know this one. Mm -hmm. Outside, it looked pretty, white with a red cheek, so that everyone who saw it longed for it. But whoever ate a piece of it must surely die. Now, I guess they My didn't My favorite have, apple like, right now is a honey crisp. They didn't have, like, good stuff, I guess, back in the Grimm's time because everybody's, like, killing themselves for salads and apples. Yeah. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we have healthy things now, like Cheetos and cake. Well, I I made uh, collard greens the other day oh, for supper. Oh, those were really good. And as I was cooking it, I was wondering, um, I wonder if it's like poke salad, which you have to boil three times or it's poisonous. Yeah, you'll die if you eat poke salad. Yeah. So I had to go back and Google again to make sure that I was You know what, right. though? Even if it, that was a delicious poison if it was, because those was were good. really good. It was good. All right, anyway. Uh, when the apple was ready, she painted her face and dressed herself up as a country woman. And so she went over the seven mountains to the seven dwarves. She knocked at the door. Snow White put her head out of the window and said, I can't let anyone in. The seven dwarves have forbidden me. It's all the same to me, answered the woman. I shall soon get rid of my apples. Then I, there, I will give you one. No, said Snow White. I dare not take anything. So she's starting to get smart. Starting to get smart. <laughs> Are you afraid of poison, said the old woman? Look, I will cut the apple into two pieces. You eat the red cheek and I will eat the white. The apple was so cunningly made that only the red cheek was poisoned. Snow White longed for the fine apple. And when she saw that the woman ate part of it, she could resist no longer and stretched out her hand and took the poisonous half. But hardly had she had a bite of it in her mouth than she fell down dead. Then the queen looked at her with a dreadful look and laughed aloud and said, White as snow, red as blood, black as ebony wood. This time the dwarves cannot wake you up again. And when she asked of the looking glass at home, looking glass, looking glass on the wall, who in this land is the fairest of all? It answered at last, O oh, queen, in this land thou art fairest of all. Then her envious heart had rest, so far as an evening or so far as an envious heart can have rest. 
The dwarves, when they came home in the evening, found Snow White lying upon the ground. She breathed no longer and was dead. They lifted her up, looked to see whether they could find anything poisonous, unlaced her, combed her hair, washed her with water and wine, but it was all of no use. The poor child was dead and remained dead. They laid her upon a bier, and all seven of them sat around it and wept for her and wept three whole days. Then they were going to bury her, but she still looked as if she were living and still had her pretty red cheeks. They said, we could not bury her in the dark ground, and they had a transparent coffin of glass made so that she could be seen from all sides as she rotted. And they laid her in it and wrote her name upon it in golden letters and that she was a king's daughter. And then they put the coffin out upon the mountain, and one of them always stayed by it and watched it. And birds came too and wept for Snow White, first an owl, then a raven, and at last a dove. And now Snow White lay a long, long time in the coffin, and she did not change, but looked as if she were asleep, for she was still as white as snow, as red as blood, and her hair was as black as ebony. It happened, however, that a king's son came into the forest. So that would be a prince. Mm-hmm. And went to the dwarf's house to spend the night. Unless you're in France, and then they call them something else. I forget what they call them. Something that starts with a B. Anyway, um, he saw the coffin on the mountain and the beautiful snow white within it and read what was written upon it in golden letters. Then he said to the dwarves, let me have the coffin. I will give you whatever you want for it. But the dwarves answered, we will not part with it for all the gold in the world. Then he said, let me have it as a gift for I cannot live without seeing snow white. I will honor and prize her as my dearest possession. As he spoke this as he spoke in this way, the good dwarves took pity upon him and gave him the coffin. And now the king's son had it carried away by his servants on their shoulders. And it happened that they stumbled over a tree stump. And with the shock, the poisonous piece of apple, which Snow White had bitten off, came out of her throat. And before long, she opened her eyes, lifted the lid up off the coffin, sat up and was once more alive. Oh, heavens, where am I? She cried. The king's son, full of joy, said, you are with me and told her what had happened and said, I love you more than everything in the world. Come with me to my father's palace and you shall be my wife. Okay. So apparently <laughs> she's not seven anymore. So maybe she was living I mean, with the no, for a couple she, years. I mm, I don't know. Okay. Even it then they're not married seven year old. Uh, no, I don't think so. And Snow White was willing and went with him and their wedding was held with great show and splendor. But Snow White's wicked stepmother was also bidden to the feast when she had arrayed herself in beautiful clothes, she went before the looking glass and said, looking glass, looking glass on the wall. Who in this land is the fairest of all? The glass answered, Oh queen of here, the fairest art thou, but the young queen is fairer by far as I trow. Then the wicked woman uttered a curse and was so wretched, so utterly wretched that she knew not what to do. At first she would not go to the wedding at all, but she had no peace and must go and see the young queen. And when she went in, she knew Snow White, and she stood still with rage and fear and could not stir. But iron slippers had already been put upon the fire, and they were brought in with tongs and set down before her. Then she was forced to put on the red-hot shoes and dance until she dropped down dead. Okay, so in the Disney cartoon, the prince kissed her, saw the apple, and pulled the apple out of her mouth, and then... Yeah, but in this one, he... So a couple things about the Brothers Grimm stories. One, there's always the twist at the end. Like yeah. everybody gets their comeuppance in the end. Like you got to put on blazing. A little, little bit of torture. Blazing hot shoes and dance till you're dead. 
Um, but also like their heroines literally know nothing about the princes that they mean. They're like, sure, I'll marry you. Well, that's how it was back in the day. Sure. We've, we've watched enough of these movies or things on Showtime or Netflix. So we know how it unrealistic. works. Yeah. Well, that's how it was. Here, take her, marry her, and then we'll have a good pact between No, but there's not France even any packs. Okay, but there's not even any packs. It's just like she wakes up and he's like, hey, I saved your life. Come marry me. She's like, okay. Well, it was idealistic back in the day, I guess. I guess. Whatever. And so now this the moral of this story. Yeah. Don't dance don't in red take, hot shoes. Don't that and maybe don't take things from strangers. And don't be so vain. Don't be so vain. What was I that could learn Carly, that one. What I'm was really, that old Carly Simon song? You're, you're so, so vain. vain. Yeah. I I admit that I am a very vain person. Oh. <laughs> but think, I'm you I'm think not, I've ever noticed? I would never kill a seven year old. <laughs> She's gotta be older than seven. I mean, well, she was it, seven the first time that she tried to kill her when she yeah, went out with the huntsman. But, but apparently time has lapsed and now she's old enough to get married. Okay. Surely the dwarves yeah. would not let like a seven-year-old girl go off no, and get married. No, but they also, like she didn't change. So who knows how old she actually is. Like she might still be in the, like if she was even let's say 10, like three or four years past, she's like 10 or 11 it says that she didn't really change. Like, she stayed the same in her coffin, so... Well, I mean, back... When I say back in the day, back in the early 20th century and before, it wasn't uncommon for, for girls to get married at 14, 15 years old. Okay, but... My grandmother was married at 14 years old. I understand that, but I don't even think she's that old. I think well, she's, like, we, we don't know, and that's just guessing. We don't know. Okay. We're, we're just guessing. I'm saying she's of a marrying age. <laughs> she's of a marrying age. Yep. All right. Are you okay. ready to do our last story? Yes. So the last story that we're going to tell is one that we all know, but unless you uncovered the original story, mm-hmm. you probably do not know this, this, this tale. Version. Yep. Yep. So we'll just get on with it. Should we let them guess what it is as we go? It won't yeah, it won't, it won't take yeah, long okay. for you to figure it out. Okay. Once upon a time, there was a dear little girl who was loved by everyone who looked at her, but most of all by her grandmother. Mm. Grams, Grammy, Grandma, however you want to call her. And there was nothing that she would not have given the child once she gave her a little cap of red velvet. There's your giveaway. Which suited her so well that she would never wear anything else, so she was always called Little Red Cap. And how do we know it? Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood. One day, her mother said to her, Come, Little Red Cap, here's a piece of cake and a bottle of wine. Take them to your grandmother. She is ill and weak. Okay, so PSA. We have, uh, I have granddaughters and a stepdaughter that live right down the road, and none of them have ever brought me cake and wine when I didn't feel good. So if they are listening to this podcast, uh, one of the eldest granddaughter is old enough to listen, um, it, you know, when I'm not feeling good, I would not object to cake and wine. All right. So y'all have, so there your, you go. <laughs> y'all have your mission right now. Uh, set up before it gets hot. And when you're going, walk nicely and quietly and do not run off the path or you may fall and break the bottle. And then your grandmother will get nothing. <laughs> and when you, you go in, nothing, granny. And when you go into a room, don't forget to say, 
Good morning, and don't peep into every corner before you do it. Don't peep into every corner. I guess little do- little Red Riding Hood is probably she's curious. She's a curious, little girl. Okay. I will take great care," said Little Red Cap. Little Red Cap, not Little Red Riding well, Hood. Well, you know, same person. I will take great care," said Little Red Cap to her mother, and gave her hand. Oh, on that's it. so cute! Uh, they yeah. shook on it. Yeah. The grandmother lived out in the wood. Half a league from the village, and just as little Redcap entered the wood, a wolf met her. Redcap did not know what a wicked creature he was, and was not all afraid of him. She probably thought he was a dog. Yeah. Good day, little Redcap, said he. Thank you, kindly wolf. Well, she knew he wasn't a dog. <laughs> whither away so early, little Redcap? Or whither, yeah, whither away so early, little Redcap? To my grandmother's. What have you got in your apron? Cake and wine. Yesterday was baking day, so poor sick grandmother's to have something good to make her stronger. Right? Do you think I should like do like the wolf voice and like that, and you do like Shh. Little Red Riding Red Cap? No. Okay. <laughs> I did my time. Fine. As much as I'm struggling with more words, I'll keep going. Where does your grandmother live, Little Red Cap? A good quarter of a league farther on in the wood. Her house stands under the large... Under the three large oak trees, the nut trees are just below. You surely must know it, replied Little Red Cap. The wolf thought to himself, What a tender young creature. What a nice plump mouthful she will be better to eat than the old woman. I must act craftily so as not to so as to catch both. What a pig. He's a wolf. He's greedy. Yeah, well, he's hungry. So he walked for a short time by the side of Little Red Cap. And then he said, See, little red cap, how pretty the flowers are about you here. Why do you not look around? I believe, too, that you do not hear how sweetly the little birds are singing. You walk gravely along as if you were going to school, while everything else out there in the wood is merry. You just snorted, and I will I not edit that out. That's fine. It's just the idea. It's just ludicrous. Like, yeah, you're, you're so great. serious, just like you're going to school. school. Yeah, well, I'm not going to edit that part out. Little Red <laughs> Cap raised her eyes, and when she saw the sunbeam <laughs> dancing here and there through the trees and pretty flowers growing everywhere, she thought, suppose I take Grandmother a fresh nosegay. That would please her, too. She probably can't smell it. She's sick. Does she got? Does she have the COVID? She might have. It she is might. So, we said we're not going to say that word again. Yeah. It is so <laughs> early in the day that I shall still get there in good time. And so she ran away from the path into the wood to look for flowers. And then whenever she picked one, she fancied that her fancied that she still saw a prettier one further on and ran after it, and so got Ooh. deeper and deeper into the wood. That's it is so not hard good. to read this old. Do you want me to take over? No, no, no. I'll do it. Meanwhile, what I wanted you to do was I would do the wolf part and you would do the little red riding hood part. But that's okay. A little red cap. But that's okay. I'll do it. such a baby. Meanwhile, the wolf ran straight into the grandmother's house and knocked at the door. Who is there? Little red cap, replied the wolf. She's bringing cake and wine. Open the door. Okay, not going to lie. I would totally open the door. Lift the latch, called out the grandmother. I am too weak and cannot get up. The wolf lifted the latch, and the door flew open, and without saying a word, he went straight to the grandmother's bed and devoured her. That's the last thing Granny did. Then he put it on her clothes, dressed himself in her cap, 
laid himself in bed, and drew the curtains. He must be a really neat eater. Like, he didn't get well, blood devoured, all over. Yeah. yeah. Well, Little Red Cap, however, had been running about picking flowers, and when she had gathered so many that she could carry no more, she remembered her grandmother. Oh, yeah. Oh, Granny's there. And that's what I'm supposed to do. And set out, <laughs> her, set out to her on the way. She was surprised to find the cottage door standing open. And when she went into the room, she had such a strange feeling that she said to herself, Oh, dear, how uneasy I feel today. So I guess this is a premonition, maybe. Mm. And at other times, I like being at grandmother so much. She called out, Good morning, but received no answer. So she went back to the bed and drew the back curtains. There lay her grandmother with a cap pulled far over her face. And looking very strange. Like she hadn't shaved in a few days. Yeah. Oh, grandmother, she said, what big ears you have. The better to hear you with, my child, was the reply. But grandmother, what big eyes you have, she said. The better to see you, my dear. But grandmother, what large hands you have. The better to hug you with. Oh, but grandmother, what a terrible big mouth you have. The better to eat you with. And scarcely had the wolf said this. Then with one bound, he was out of the bed and swallowed up Redcap. When the wolf appeared, appeased his appetite, he laid down in the bed, fell asleep, and began to snore very, very loud. Like Rupert. Yeah. The The huntsman was just passing the house and thought to himself, Oh, I wonder if this is the same huntsman. Maybe so. How the old woman is snoring. I must just see if she wants anything. So he went into the room, and when he came to the bed, he saw that the wolf was lying in it. Did I find thee here, thou old sinner, said he. I have long sought thee. Then just as he was going to fire at at him, it occurred to him that the wolf might not have devoured the grandmother and that she still might be saved. So he did not fire, but took a pair of scissors and began to cut open the stomach of the sleeping wolf. When he made two snips, he saw the little red cap shining, and he made two more snips, and the little girl sprang out crying, Ah, how frightened I have been. How dark it was inside the wolf. And after that, the aged grandmother came out alive. So that's why there's no blood. He swallowed them whole. Oh, okay. Came out alive also, but scarcely able to breathe. Redcap, however, quickly fetched great stones which wished, with which they filled the wolf's body. And when he awoke, he wanted to run away. But the stones were so heavy that he fell down at once and fell dead. Then all three were delighted. The huntsman drew off the wolf skin and went home with it. The grandmother ate her cake and drank the wine which Redcap had brought her and revived. But Redcap thought to herself, As long as I live, I will never by myself leave the path to turn into the wood when my mother has forbidden me to do so. It was also related that once when Redcap was again taking cakes to the grandmother, another wolf spoke to her and tried to entice her from the path. Redcap, however, was on her guard and went straight forward on her way and told her grandmother that she had met the wolf and that he said good morning to her, but with such a wicked look in his eye that if he had not been on the public road, she rode, which was certain would have eaten her up. Well, said the grandmother, we will shut the door that he may not come in. Soon afterwards, the wolf knocked and cried, Open the door, grandmother. I'm little Redcap, and I'm fetching you some cakes. But they did not speak or open the door. So the great beard stole twice or thrice around the house and at last jumped on the roof intending to wait for until Redcap went home 
in the evening and then to steal after her and devour her in the darkness. But the grandmother saw what was in his thoughts. In front of the house was a great stone trough. So she said to the child, Take the pail, Redcap. I made some sausages today, yesterday. So carry the water in which I boiled them through the trough. Redcap carried them until the great trough was quite full. Then the smell of the sausages reached the wolf. I would have fallen for that too. <laughs> and he sniffed and peeped down and at last stretched out his neck so far that he could no longer keep his footing and begin to slip. And slipped down from the roof straight into the great trough and he was drowned. But Redcap was so joyous that she went home and never did anything to harm anyone again and lived happily ever after. The end. The end. There you go. So some of the stories are, you know, they're better. Um, I didn't, there's so okay, many more. let's talk more. about the moral to this one. Okay. Do what your mom says. Yeah, yeah. Don't talk to strangers. Take your grandma some wine and cakes. Yeah. That's the moral of this story. I, th- I think this one... You know, they could do redo like Grimm's fairy tales for like the 21st century and redo these stories. You know, well, who, not with the wolf, but like the the moral is like, don't talk to anybody. You know who I would love to see do just like a Grimm's compilation movie? Snoop Dogg? No, although that would be really interesting. Tim Burton. Don't you think like if Tim Burton took on Grimm's if, fairy tales? If you're, a, if you're a Tim Burton fan. I think that he would do a great job of like putting taking Grimm's fairy tales and turning them into a movie. Quentin Tartino. Oh my gosh! Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Tarantino takes on Red Riding Hood. Oh. Okay, not Tom Hanks. No, this is not a Tom. This is a Sam Jackson movie. Sam Jackson is the wolf. Yeah. Hey, little mf'er, what you doing? <laughs> what you doing in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, so there is. The original Grimm's fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not going to do a sources at the end because literally all of these came from one source. It's worldoftales.com. I can't recommend it enough. It's a great place to find several other stories, uh, including The Little Mermaid, which involves uh, cannibalism and eating of people. And there's all kinds of good stuff on there. So it's worldoftales.com. So if you want your kids to sleep tonight, and you don't feel like reading them a story, just, just put this podcast, podcast and fine. they'll be happy with it. They'll be totally fine. Yeah, they'll be totally fine with it. Yep. I mean, kids for centuries probably were. Right. They'll learn something. Yeah. Don't talk to strangers. Right. Don't. All right. You make sure you take your grandma cookie or cake and wine when she's sick. Yeah. All right. So, Kim. Mm-hmm. How do people get hold of us? You can right, want, You can find yeah. us on all the socials on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can write to us at alosshour at gmail.com. And if you are looking for me in particular, you can find me on TikTok at kimharmon937. Yep. And just about any Saturday morning, if you want to talk to us, if you're here local in the, uh, the Dayton area, we're generally at Winans in the morning at the Green. Yep. Ten o'clock. Yeah, we'd love about, to see you. About ten o'clock. Um, I'm really excited. I mentioned TikTok. I hooked up with somebody earlier, um, another TikTok creator that is a local author, and I am working with her to get her on the show. She has a book called, um, what is it called? Murders and Mayhem of Dayton, Ohio, I think is what it's called. Um, I've ordered her book. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to have her on the show. Very excited. All right. Anything else we need to talk about? I think that's probably it. 
Yep. I think we 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 said last week that we made the big switch to everything is Apple now in the house. Yeah. If anybody cares. The MacBook, the iPad, and yeah. our phones. Yeah, if anybody it just was it was just so much easier than than trying to make Android work with Apple and Apple phones have come a long way, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Um, no, I, that's pretty much it. Just be safe. Be careful. Um, shout out to our goddaughter, Chelsea, who is currently suffering from COVID. I hope she feels better. We miss you. We love you. I hope you feel better. Um, anybody else that's suffering, just a uh, word of advice, because I've had two rounds of COVID in spite of inoculations, um, Sudafed and Mucinex and hot toddies if you are that type of person, as well as nasal spray. Anything else? I, I think Dr. that's it. Dr. Kim. I think that's it. Take Kim's word. It works. She I'm telling is not you. Dr. Kim. I know. Do as your doctor tells you to Listen, do. Listen, Dr. Tina told me that. My step, my stepmom, who is a lovely lady and would never try to murder me as far as I can tell, told me to do that, and it really helped me feel better. I say do as your doctor tells you. No more old wives' tales. We've had enough Are old you calling wives. Tina old? No. Okay. But. Just want to clarify. I'm just saying, do as your doctor tells you. Well, that's right. All right. So, from our studios <laughs> in Sugar Creek Township. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. 